0: In Jesus' vision for human community in the Synoptic Gospels and the Book of Acts, we take responsibility for taking care of one another. Not to establish dependency, uh, but because we are already dependent on one another. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 378. Our title this week is A Community of Dependence and Connectedness, and our reading is from the Gospel of Mark, Mark 6, 1 through 13. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this This man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this uh, the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own Town and among his relatives and in his own home. He cannot do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around, teaching from village to village, calling the twelve him, and he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as the testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed the, anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So this is one of my favorite sections in Mark's gospel because it lays out what I consider to be a life-giving value of communities throughout human existence, and that is our in. Inter- Dependence on one another. Stephen Patterson explains in his book, The Lost Way, how, to, how two forgotten gospels are rewriting the story of Christian origins. This is on page 74 through 75. He writes, what does it actually mean for the empire of God to come? It begins with a knock at the door. On the stoop stand two itinerant beggars with no purse, no knapsack, no shoes, no staff. They are so ill-equipped that they must cast. Their fate before the feet of a would be host. This is a point often made by historical Jesus scholar John Dominic Crossan. These Q folk are sort of like ancient cynics, but their goal is not the cynic goal of self sufficiency. These itinerants are set only for dependency. To survive, they must reach out to their other human beings. They offer them peace. This is how the empire arrives. And if their peace is accepted, they eat and drink. This is how the empire of God is consummated in table fellowship. Then another tradition is tacked on, beginning with the words, whenever you enter a town. This is perhaps the older part of the tradition. For this... And only this also has a parallel in the Gospel of Thomas. There is also an echo of it in Paul's letter known as 1 Corinthians. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 27. Here, as in the first tradition, the itinerants are instructed, eat what is set before you. Again, the first move is to ask. The empire comes when someone receives food from another, but then something is offered in return. Care for the sick. The empire of God here involves an exchange. Food for care. So, in our context of American capitalistic individualism and independence, which too often I think masquerades as as freedom, uh, dependence. As a good thing and a life-giving ethic for human thriving, that can be a little bit difficult to get our minds around. Nonetheless, we can make a strong case that the good news that Jesus taught was deeply rooted in what it meant to be community and that included our dependence on one another. Jesus scholar James Robinson, he writes in his book The Gospel of Jesus, The Search for the Original Good News. This is page uh, or sorry, Kindle location 138. Uh, he writes, Jesus's basic issue, still basic today, is that most people have solved the human dilemma for themselves at the expense of everyone else, putting themselves uh, putting them down so as to stay afloat themselves. This vicious Anti social way of coping with the necessities of life only escalates the dilemma for the rest of society. I'm hungry because you hoard food. You're cold because I hoard clothing. Our dilemma is that we all hoard supplies in our backpacks and put our trust in our wallets. Such security, quote unquote, should be replaced by God reigning, which means both what I trust God to do, that is, activate you to share food with me. And what I hear God telling me to do, which is to share clothes with you, we should not carry money while bypassing the poor or wear a backpack with extra clothes and food while ignoring the cold and hungry lying in the gutter. This is why the beggars, the hungry, the depressed are fortunate. God, that is, those in whom God rules, those who hearken to God will care for them. The needy are called upon to trust that God's reigning is for them. Theirs is the kingdom of God. God. Jesus' message was simple, for he wanted to cut straight through to the point, trust God to look out for you by providing people who will care for you, and listen to him when he calls on you to provide for them. So the Jesus of the Synoptic Gospels called his listeners and followers back to a practice of mutual dependence. He called them to to let go of their hoarded resources and, and to be the ones that that God sends to help those who don't have enough for today. He invited them to trust that if if a crisis should arise in the future for us, that we should not trust in our once hoarded resources, but in those that we fostered community with alongside. We should trust that they'll be there for us. We don't gain the ability to sleep at night because we've hoarded enough wealth. We gain the ability to sleep at night because no matter what the future holds, we're not facing it alone as a community, we have each other. And many years ago, I remember a very wealthy person asked a question at a seminar that I was conducting, and they asked, does this mean that we should all just sell our retirement accounts and give it all away? And that's a great question because we're dealing with the application. How do we apply this in a real world? Well, my response was no. As long as we're living in a society that so highly prioritizes independence and isolated individualism, even from, for the elderly, then requires... Retirement accounts are vital. They're required. But what can we do then? Well, we can take steps to foster community, rejecting the Kool-Aid, so to speak, of individualism and work towards shaping a society where our dependence is recognized and it's celebrated, a community that makes retirement accounts actually obsolete. Once that happens, then we can sell them and give them away. At that point, people will no longer need such large retirement accounts because we will all take care of the aged that are among us. Social security done correctly, I think, is a good thing. And we should be seeking to create a society where our elderly can thrive and not just barely survive. Now, in Paul's ministry, I want to back up just a little bit. A different principle entered the early church. In 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 6, verse 12, we read, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my desire to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have a right to food and drink? Don't we have a right to take a believing wife along with us, as do other apostles and the Lord's brother in Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who? Lack the right not to work for a living. If uh if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. So here we see a move away from the dependence value and what may have been the original teachings of Jesus. Mark's gospel was written after Paul, but most scholars believe that it it preserves that early ethic of dependence. And Luke's gospel shows that tension growing between Paul's independence, Paul's refusal to, to uh, take from the communities he was preaching to and his, his occupation on the side, and the early Jesus community's um, opposite dependence. By the time of Luke, followers are not permitted to take a, a, a staff, and and what is shared is now labeled as wages. This is Luke 10, Four through nine. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. In the Didache, uh, we also see parameters being made in response to possible abuses of the the original dependence ethic. This is uh, the uh, the Didache uh, chapter 11. Let every apostle who comes to you be received as the Lord, but he shall not remain more than one day or two days if there's a need. But if he remains 3 days, he's a false prophet. And when the apostle goes away, let him take nothing but bread until he lodges. If he asks for money, he's a false prophet. So, this is more than, an, I think, an interesting discussion among Jesus scholars. We have to ask ourselves today, what do we as Jesus followers in the 21st century, what do we find the most life-giving? Do we find Paul's independence a, a more life-giving or Jesus's interdependence? In Jesus' vision for human community in the Synoptic Gospels and the Book of Acts, we take responsibility for taking care of one another, not to establish dependency, uh, but because we are already dependent on one another. Jesus's community chose to practice mutual aid, resource sharing, and wealth distribution and redistribution. And we have also, we have the choice before us. Could it be that so- societies that survive, they're not the societies that practice the survival of... Of individual fittestness, wh- where the strong eat the weak, uh, but societies that define fittest as as one where we all take care of one another, including those who may be weak. Our, our choice today, I think, is the same as it was in the Jesus story: a choice between individualism and independence and and competition, or a community of, of, of cooperation and and connectedness and dependency, or or interdependence. We're connected, whether we realize it or not, and we're also dependent on one another, whether we cherish that idea or not. Life is born when we share. Heart group application this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, can you share some ways that you experience our, our dependence on one another, and how can we support and care for each other in that interdependency? and discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.